Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Ivanka Trump has announced that she's prioritizing family life for young children over possibly returning to politics with her father. Number of... And on the same note, a number of young celebrities are sharing their regret over not having children. It's an interesting conversation. We'll dive into everything from being a parent to unpacking my favorite liturgical season coming up, and that is Advent. Ways that we can get ready because it's not that far away. Also, I discussed earlier this week how hashtag thanks birth control was trending on Twitter, and there were so many arguments, one person after another, posting their tweet as to why they love birth control. And I was thinking it would be great, and we did this a little bit on Wednesday, and I wanted to do it again today, to walk through some of those simple little tweet sound bites as to why people love birth control and utterly clarify why women don't need birth control and why it's bad for them. And these claims and these arguments in favor of birth control can be easily debunked with just a little bit of conversation that you can have with others. So joining me in just a little bit will be Pam Stenzel, who has worked for years in the crisis pregnancy movement and has helped one-on-one working with many young women who have been there. They've been on the pill. They have had abortions. And she knows all the sound medical data and science behind that to back up why we don't use birth control. So you're listening to Trending with Timory. I mentioned earlier my favorite, favorite liturgical season is just around the corner. Coming up, we're going to celebrate the beginning of the Advent, that season where we prepare for the coming of Christ. We kick off Advent November 27th, so as per usual, right after we celebrate that delightful Thanksgiving feast, we can think of it as that transition to prepare us for the Advent season. Now, I'm going to post a number of podcasts I've done in the past on Advent, preparing for Advent bringing symbols and traditions into our home. I'll talk a lot about these in the days to come because Advent is my favorite, really mean this, favorite liturgical season. Did you know that it's like a mini Lent? So that's part of the reason why the liturgical colors in the church and the vestments for the priest are that purple. It's a sign of penance and fasting. Advent is a time where we prepare for the threefold coming of Christ. Christ coming at Christmas, um, at our death, and Christ coming even we could discuss in the Eucharist, present with us now. Um, and so Advent is this time where we're supposed to prepare the way of the Lord. That's why St. John the Baptist is really our companion in many ways during Advent because he helped usher in the new covenant. He was the last prophet of technically the Old Testament, even though he's a part of the New Testament story. 
Now, some of my favorite resources I'll unpack and share with you, uh, and I'll mention a couple. I'm actually putting together two things, so stay tuned. Uh, they'll be coming out in the coming days and weeks. And the first, coming out next week, will be my Advent recommendation list for everything from books and fun things that you can use in your home. And I'll be sharing some of those now in the show, and the links will be in the episode notes because I know I love having, you know, whether it's a meditation book for Advent or other things that help in that transition of Advent, not getting ahead of ourselves into the Christmas season. So one of my dear friends um, of the show here on Trending is Kendra Tierney. She's come on a number of times to talk about her awesome book. So this is a 10 out of 10 recommend Advent companion, but really just an all year round uh, Catholic go-to for celebrating saints feast days in your home and that is a catholic all-year compendium it's a book and you just go from feast day to feast day throughout the year or even the liturgical season such as advent lent easter christmas and others and you use these recommendations to bring a little bit of the extra catholic tradition fun food and activities into your home for adults, for children. The foods are so fun. It's such a neat way to mark your faith. Maybe especially if you're trying to, you know, share with maybe a spouse who isn't Catholic or with young children, the excitement of our faith, the culture, the foods, this is one of those opportunities. So the Catholic All Year Compendium. Now, some of the recommendations that Kendra Tierney has in her Catholic All Year Compendium, really come down to about five things. Uh, she recommends, and we don't have a lot of time, which is why I'm giving this recommendation now, and I do like it. I love to get my Christmas shopping done early, but actually observing the Advent season is one reason to do so, because we can easily, and I mean it when I say easily, get distracted by the anticipation of Christmas with the decorations and the purchasing of gifts that we forget that Advent is meant to be a time of purging and preparation for Christ. And so if we can work on purchasing our gifts beforehand, it can help us in preparing to have more quiet time and slowing down even as we appreciate the music and everything around us and the lights, we can still kind of calm and quiet our souls a little bit from having to jump from this thing to the next thing that we still need to pick up for family and friends and for all of those fun festivities we have leading up to the actual day of Christmas. So her first recommendation is try to get all of your Christmas shopping done before Advent starts to the best of your ability so that you have that little bit more of downtime for meditation, prayer, and that purging that needs to take place in our souls. The second thing that Kendra Tierney recommends in this Advent season in her Catholic All Year Compendium is decorating as a process rather than just, hey, checkbox, I got all my decorations done. So you bring a little bit out of time. You know, maybe you start with lights, maybe you start with some of the greenery, maybe you put your tree up and you don't decorate it right away. Or maybe you do things like the Jesse tree, which I'll mention a little bit about, in just a few moments here. But really taking that opportunity to phase into it rather than rushing yourself in and to look at those phases of decorations you put up as a means to preparing for the celebration of Christ, preparing your heart, your mind, your body, your soul 
And by the way, Kendra says she loves homemade paper and nature-based decorations. And one of the reasons for that, as she said, they can be made and they can be thrown out. And actually, you know, depending on where you live, there's always greenery, whether it's the eucalyptus of California or the evergreens of the Midwest. There are things we can take and put uh, into our homes with just a little bit of hunting that can sometimes be close to free if you just, you know, put some effort into it to make that space really, really beautiful. And I always say, again, I'm not, you know, endorsing any company or anything because um, people always complain when I mention a business. But I do say that a lot of the time, like some of the wreaths at um, Trader Joe's can be a lot less expensive than other places. And I know I love to take a fresh evergreen wreath and put it in the center of my advent um, advent ring. What's that called? Advent wreath um, that we have the four candles in that we mark throughout Christmas and we pray the prayer. So getting an advent wreath is another recommendation I'll give. So pick up that advent wreath now. You can get them online. I love catholiccompany.com. Catholic Company will post a link to it actually. A Catholic Company has so many great resources. And by the way, they have great point systems. So as you buy things here and there, whether it's a baptism gift next month or Christmas gift now, um, there are a lot of great resources, even if you just type in advent for advent resources. So we also see in the Catholic all-year compendium from Kendra Tierney, she says that she really tries to save Christmas things for Christmas. And so she gives various recommendations, you know, for doing that. But, you know, part of it is saving the Christmas celebration for Christmas. And, you know, when we talk about these, we're not meant to be, you know, snobby and judging how other people are moving into the Christmas season. But just preparing, you know, that Advent is Advent, that time of where we're waiting for Christ. And although we already have Christ, right, we have Christ in the Eucharist. We know Christ has already come, that we are taking that time to purge a little bit of not getting too ahead of the cart. Um, I will admit, it's been a stressful last couple of months with a lot going on. I did start listening to Christmas music a little before Halloween, uh, but, you know, in, in moderation and not overdoing it. Sometimes, I know my mom's been doing a lot of instrumental Christmas music lately, uh, so not, not quite jumping all the way to the full-on Christmas music, but I do like focusing on a lot of the Advent hymns uh, instead of going straight to Christmas. Uh, so Advent hymns and then uh, Advent or Christmas instrumentals before we get to the full-on Christmas songs. And also sometimes I'll do a lot of the secular Christmas songs because it is an anticipation of Christmas. You know, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, singing about Santa coming. You know, it's not here yet, but then we have those joyful joy to the world songs, the little drummer boy in all of them when the Christmas season starts. And don't stop listening to Christmas music when Advent ends. It's the beginning of the Christmas season when we have that Christmas celebration come 20, the 25th. Um, another thing that she recommends, number four of the five, is really to try and keep Advent quiet. So trying to shut down on your electronics a little bit more. You know, maybe eliminating music and TV and radio, certain types of radio course not relevant radio focusing on the advent music as i said not just jumping fully into the christmas music but using uh, again those instrumentals as well and then fifth um is she really talks about five things that she doesn't do during advent such as you know being snobby when people are celebrating should they still go to christmas parties she doesn't make her kids eat celery and broccoli at christmas parties that even though advent is a time of penance it's a time for charity and how we handle that as well. And again, there is an excitement to the season, 
going into Christmas that is good. We don't want to stymie that for others, but we also want to prepare ourselves in the midst of a cultural jump into Christmas as soon as Halloween is over. We want to prepare ourselves for that coming of Christ. Okay, so here are some of my other recommendations. I recommended check out catholiccompany.com. They have a bunch of great Advent resources. The Jesse Tree, there are a lot of great resources and ideas for the Jesse Tree, but the Jesse Tree, you can find some online where you buy ornaments. I'm not a fan of how they look. I think a lot of them are not that nice looking, and I like really, really pretty Christmas ornaments. Um, that's why it's taking me so long to build up my Christmas ornament uh, selection. I'm, that's a great gift, by the way, if anyone's looking for a gift for me. Really beautiful Christmas ornaments. Luckily, my mom has shared and donated many of her gorgeous ornament collection to my tree because I like a big tree with lots of ornaments. It's his season, right? But the whole idea of the Jesse tree, uh, Jesse is the father of King David, right? And so the Jesse tree, the theme of it is that you're taking symbols from the Old Testament, really from all of salvation history and what builds up to Jesus Christ. And so themes such as rainbows, themes such as an apple, uh, things such as something marking a kingdom, such as a Davidic kingdom, I think such as a lamb, Jonah and the whale, a whale, a Noah's Ark. So there are lots of different ornament themes, and I go with ideas or I look at ornaments and try to think about how I can incorporate that into the salvation history story and create a little uh, story behind it so that as my daughter now, you know, getting ready to turn two right before Christmas, that we can start to talk about, you know, oh, Jonah, we talk about Jonah and the whale. Uh, we talk about, you know, the Davidic kingdom. She loves the David and Goliath book uh, from Ignatius Press and Magnificat. Love that book. Um, we'll include a link to that as well. I'll put a little note here so we don't forget. We'll try to post on social media uh, as well as in the episode notes. That's a great recommendation I have too for uh, Christmas. If you're looking for Christmas gifts to get nieces, nephews, godchildren, or your kids. So make your own Jesse tree. Create stories around your ornaments and maybe be a little more intentional with the ornaments you get. And it doesn't have to be ugly. Um, another thing that I recommend are books. So one of my favorite things during Advent is prior uh, to being married and having a child, I used to always go on an annual retreat at the beginning of Advent. Loved going on a retreat. We'd be out in the desert. The focus would be much on Our Lady uh, preparing to give birth to Christ as well as um, on St. John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. And so especially with not being able to make a retreat during Advent, turning to a strong Advent compa uh, companion has been very important to me. So I've tried a number of them over the last few years, and we'll post links on social media, but my all-time favorite has been The Incarnation, Birth, and Infancy of Jesus Christ by St. Alphonsus Liguori. It is phenomenal. It's not light. It's not gentle. It's a real good kick in the pants. I started it stupidly. I don't know why, because it's St. Alphonse Lacour, thinking it would be something gentle and lovey and fluffy. And it wasn't, but it was exactly what I needed. So that's one recommendation. Another one, because we do ponder um, death, heaven, hell, and purgatory during Advent. Those are four things we really focus on. Um, it Another book I recommend is actually also by, again, my favorite, St. Alphonsus Liguori, Preparation for Death, Considerations on Eternal Truths. 
So I recommend that. A couple years ago, Sister Nobel Teresa Alethea, one of the Pauline sisters, released a uh, much gentler but more meditative um, book called Memento Mori, an Advent Companion on the Last Things. That's really great. It's lighter um, and it has journaling elements as well. Uh, but if you want to go a little more intense, Preparation for Death and the Incarnation, Birth and Infancy of Jesus is more uh, I would say of a recommendation on my part. Also post some links to a couple others and again keep an eye out in the coming days for a link to um, some of my favorite Advent recommendations. So coming up I'll be back here on Trending and also in the coming days with more Advent recommendations. I hope you enjoy the season. Coming up we'll talk about Ivanka Trump prioritizing family over possibly returning to politics. listening to Trending with Timry, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. Hashtag Thanks Birth Control was trending on Twitter this Wednesday, and I was astounded and also somewhat entertained hearing all the arguments as to why people love birth control and want to talk about why it changed their lives. But I think part of the reason why I was entertained is the fact that all of these arguments are easily responded to by you with a simple couple of talking points. You know, people are so quick to advocate for birth control and say that others should use it to not have children, plan their families, uh, get the education and career they want, all of these claims. Uh, but at the end of the day, whether it be the medical reasons, the interpersonal reasons, uh, or even just the reason for the impact that birth control has on our souls, uh, we need to be able to respond and have an answer. And so I thought no better person than Pam Stenzel to join me. Pam Stenzel is an international chastity speaker, as well as having worked in the crisis pregnancy uh, centers for years. She heads up some of the largest crisis pregnancy centers in Florida, right next to the major universities. And you can find her at pamstenzel.com. That's P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.com. Pam, I know you had an opportunity to look at this hashtag on Twitter, and I want to just walk through some of the most shocking kind of hashtag thanks birth control tweets and respond to them so other people have that confidence that I know you have in saying, hey, this isn't good for you when you talk to these women who come into the crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah, well, I, I looked at them and and basically, I mean, we can talk about some of the issues, but the reality is almost all of them have that negative, uh, children are negative, children are a burden, family is necessary, and sex completely outside of its procreative uh, uh, meaning and, and purpose. And and I, I think the sad thing is it's just a reflection of our culture that has just made uh, made sex a recreational sport and then made marriage insignificant and then made children a burden or a, a problem or a disease rather than the, than the gift that they are from God. So all of those things uh, are, are, you know, ma magnified in this whole thanks for birth control. It's awesome thing. 
Mm-hmm. No, and I think it's true. Even those people who are celebrating it, I think, for example, uh, someone such as Congresswoman Sarah Jacob, she posted, I was probably the first member of Congress to talk about using Plan B on the House floor, but we need to destigmatize birth control because this is health care, she says. She goes on to say, from the pill I used in high school to the IUD I used for years, the Plan B I've used at times. Hashtag Thanks, birth control. I was so heartbroken, Pam, to read Mm. that short little tweet that basically just said, um, I probably killed my baby multiple times. I used Mm -hmm. an implant for a period of time uh, that for years, she said, um, which, by the way, IUD is extremely detrimental to the body. Women are lucky to uh, be able to like actually use that and not have health damage done to their body. And then she said she's been on the pill since high school. So that means that she's probably at least 20 plus years of hormonally new her body with these chemicals that have a long-term impact for her. Absolutely. And, and not only that, again, it goes back to her entire attitude about sex, about marriage, and about children. And, and in the process, she's the one, you know, uh, with all the damage to her body, as you said. And the, the plan B is, it's so frustrating to me. Being on a university campus, I cannot tell you the amount of girls that that will come into our pregnancy clinic. And by the way, they get pregnant even though they were using or tried to use Plan B. Mm-hmm. It's not always successful, and and they're they're using it like candy. Like it's just just well, I'll do this again next week, and and it's a it's a total overdose really of of birth control and completely unhealthy. And it, I just, it, it's, it's sad, but, you know, I was thinking today about this topic and I was listening to some discussion about the, um, the Senate passing the, they call it the respect for marriage, um, legislation, which it is anything but, and, and horrible. And I was thinking, you know, the reality is it goes back to, we have reduced marriage to nothing but, but a feeling has nothing to do with a man and a woman and a, and the creation of family and, and, and the fact that these are two biological human beings that in their union can produce children. And, and we've taken not only centuries, thousands upon thousands of years of, of history and biology, but we've, we've basically flown, uh, just thrown our fists in the face uh, of theology and God's plan and God's design. And, and birth control basically was the beginning, uh, for our culture at least, of, of, of this decline into sex without meaning, marriage without meaning, and, and, and now a lack of families. And I don't know if your listeners heard this today, but Chuck Schumer actually said out loud that because our, we are not reproducing in our country, that our birth rates are so low that no one's having babies and we're not replacing the population, that that is the excuse for having millions of immigrants uh, come into the country because we need to replace the population. 
and now we're at the point where you talked about, you know, sex having no meaning, family having no meaning, the body having no meaning. I mean, if you look at what they're doing, they just passed in Vermont, California, and Michigan uh, amendments to the state constitution, making it so that a person has the ability, if they're a minor, my two-year-old, a 15-year-old, a nine-year-old could go and access puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and plastic reconstructive surgery for what's a so-called gender affirmation surgery without any parental consent notification and funded by the state. I mean, your your body means nothing. And as you mentioned, this goes back to this whole idea of contraception. We have Mm. neutered women's bodies and told them that they should or could cut off the capacity to have children or actually kill their own children in order to have so-called thriving careers. I think that's why people such as Congresswoman um, Sarah Jacobs, her story is so sad because she's basically just said, I killed my children potentially, and I've nuked my body with chemicals that are so damaging that here I am, you know, this is what allowed me to be here. But isn't that sad, Pam? Because I look at yourself and others, and we did not need hormonal birth control to have an education, a higher education, um, to work, you know, to have an adaptable schedule with children so that we can, you Mm -hmm. know, be present to children or or Mm -hmm. any of it. And that's what they're trying to claim. And you know what's really sad? Timory, that what well, and and I finished my master's degree with two children under the age of three. So, it, it let me tell you, it's work, it's it's craziness, but it can be done. But at the end of the day, no degree, no job, no career, nothing can even come close to touching being a mom and now a grandma. That there, there's absolutely zero thing that you could give me that that would replace that. And I think we're going to see. Uh, generations clearly a very unhappy unfulfilled they're chasing things that will never fill the deepest needs of their hearts because only when we're in right relationship with God right relationship with his design and his purpose can we experience true fulfillment Amen. Amen. That's Pam Stenzel. You can find her at pamstenzel.net. I made a mistake. I said .com earlier. It's pamstenzel.net. That's P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. Pam, you are so candid and clear and well-educated in talking about the issue of chastity and how um, specifically you know, sex outside of marriage, contraception, use pornography, abortion, all of this impacts men and women today. So she is, I highly recommend someone you should bring in, especially to talk to high school students, whether in a religious or secular setting, because she tells it how it is. And she's very candid. And I think young people in particular appreciate uh, the truth and the love that comes from that honest approach. I'm looking at more of the tweets from Thanks Birth Control a day that came in and on a lighter note but I also think very silly um, and very serious at the same time uh, Rachel Fay posted a big influencer on social media she said hashtag Toby that is her dog says thanks birth control because he gets all his parents attention now I thought this was an interesting one because especially coming from California you see more dogs and strollers than kids and strollers sometimes depending on where you're at <laughs> and it's been interesting to see how uh, people have poured themselves into their pets and their animals in a way very different than how it used to be uh, to replace human relationships, especially those that would have been nurturing relationships toward children of their own. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so sad. We, I see it here in Florida as well. It's it, it, again, it's that, that uh, 20 to 30 something year old that, that has rejected the whole concept of 
marriage and family and children. And, and so to, in an attempt to fill this need, then they have these pets. And, oh, I just, I can't stand when I hear people say, these are my children. Or, or I've even had people my age, Timory, and, and I, I guess I just admitted that I was a grandma, but um, people say, oh, that's my grand pet. I'm like, yes, my children's <laughs> pet is not my grand pet. I, I, it's mm-hmm. just, oh, it's just so, so frustrating. But, you know, again, it just comes from our heart's desire is for relationship. Mm-hmm. And when we cut out what God designed and, and, and gave us for foundationally, marriage and family and relationship with each other in the body of Christ, when we when we cut all of those relationships out and diminish them or or sadly like you said i mean th- this concept of of puberty blockers and gender transition and all of these horrible things going on we're literally mutilating mm-hmm. uh, children yes who will never e- even if they regret it at some point we've permanently mutilated them they'll never be able to experience uh, the the joy of having a child, and and we're trying to then replace it with these these silly things and these animals and and the reality is that I I've seen this and, and Tamara you probably have too it just in the pro life movement for all of these years that that some people who who call themselves pro choice or and that's a horrible word who are pro abortion and and all in favor of reproductive rights as they say and and birth control and abortion would are are just fixated on the value of animals mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and and oh a, a precious puppy is far more yes. valuable than a human being and yeah. it's yeah. just it's disordered right it's disordered. and it's sad i mean i was even just looking at stories that have come out this last week uh you have andrew garfield the spider-man actor also known for the tiktok um boom as well and or sorry tick tick boom and he had commented recently he's about to turn 40 next year and in the just published gq magazine cover he actually talks about how he has some guilt about not having um fulfilled that societal obligation of procreation he talks about how his mom passed a few years ago in 2019 and how he really wanted his mom to meet his children and he hasn't had mm-hmm. any yet he's even said i always thought i would be the first to have kids and settle down he said and now my friends are the also turning 40 but they're all shacked up in a couple of kids deep for the most part he said and here i am here with you eating a burger just contemplating existence trying to fill my days with as much nonsense as i possibly can i was astounded by these words Mm. i mean i one i didn't realize andrew garfield was already almost 40 the spider-man actor (laughs) Uh, but two to hear you know a man approaching 40 saying i really thought i would have had children and i'm kind of almost disoriented saying wow i'm not there yet and I'm seeing that some of what I'm doing is nonsense. I think this all ties into the fact that we as human beings really do long to give ourselves to children and that the culture is stifling that and we're replacing um, the gift and the value of motherhood and fatherhood and those relationships with surrogate relationships uh, of such as pets. And I think that's so mm-hmm. sad that that's where we're at. But people like Andrew Garfield and others are saying, Hey, I'm recognizing things are a little empty right now as I'm approaching my older years. Yeah, and you know, the sad thing is that there's a, there's a time issue here. You can't just chase all of these things the world tells you you should be chasing 
and and celebrate your use of birth control and your you're choosing not to procreate or to develop um, strong family bonds, marriages that last and that matter. And then all of a sudden at 40, like this, you know, it, it go, oh, I wish I would have. It's too late. Mm-hmm. It's too late. And and I think, um, you know, the the infertility issues, the fact that we have so many, so much infertility, this this is all compounded by a few things. One is delaying having children marriage and children until mid thirties and beyond. And then the other, you know, part is all of this use of birth control, Timory, for decades. It's not like it was it, it it's not even temporary. I'm I'm seeing girls when I speak in Catholic high schools, it's devastating to me, that are there are birth control. Parents put them on birth control at 14, 15, 16, and they look right at me and tell me, well, it's just for my skin. It's it's yes. just to regulate my periods. It has nothing to do with, with it. And we've convinced them that taking this synthetic hormone, which has so many consequences, to, to help them have clearer skin or less painful periods. It, mm-hmm. It's insane. And then they're yeah. going to be taking these drugs for decades. Yes. Yes. I was talking about that uh, on Wednesday when I first saw this hashtag here on Trending. If you didn't catch it, go ch- catch that at the episode relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast. But a lot of the arguments in favor of birth control that I saw on Twitter were people saying, oh, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, and I wouldn't be able to manage it without birth control. Or, oh, I have endometriosis. I wouldn't be able to handle it without birth control. And my heart breaks, especially being someone who has PCOS um, mm. and recognizing that PCOS being quote-unquote treated by birth control actually is almost like a guarantee that you will never have children because they're just giving you a generic amount of hormones when the reality is is that you very well may need hormones such as progesterone potentially depending on your case but in a focused amount at the right time of the month so that you can achieve a healthy cycle and health and potentially children rather than completely disorienting your cycle and also putting you at risk for Cancer. I mean, group one carcinogens, synthetic estrogen mm. and progesterone recognized by the UN and countless medical journals. We'll actually have to post a link on uh, the episode notes to that where I break down why birth control is bad. It's because it's a group one carcinogen. And yet people are claiming it, it treats uh, women for their health from acne to endometriosis. It's so sad. It is so sad. And, and you know, I, I have uh, was diagnosed with PCOS as well, but later in, in my late 20s. But the reality is because I did not want to take the birth control for myriads of reasons. Um, they, they were able to put me on metformin, which actually did 100% better than birth control would have ever done. And there are so many other ways to treat PCOS as well, with, in some of its diet and some of its you know healthier ways to deal with it. The fact that we're running right to these these carcinogenic drugs and and these um, synthetic hormones is is just it's insane. Somebody's making money at the end of the day, uh, and and the, and the problem is, you know, our girls have just kind of just and their parents clearly have just kind of gone along with you know what what these the doctors and the medical establishment are saying and. I think one of the other hard things for me is one of the girls, I was hearing it so much, but one of the girls, I'll never forget her, Catholic high school, she came up to me, she said, well, I'm taking this for my skin. And and then I looked at her and I said, well, whatever you do, if you're taking birth control, you cannot have sex. 
because you've just increased your risk of STI infection by about 10 times. So, so if you're taking birth control of your skin, do not have sex. And she, she gave, she kind of had this really horror look at me, and I'm like, well, that look tells me that uh, you're not just taking birth control for your skin. And mm-hmm. I, I said to her, I said, so um, are you sexually active? And, and Timmy, you know how you can tell when a teenager is considering just not telling you the truth, but then realizing what's the point. I mean, it was right. a private conversation between she and I. And so she admitted that she was sexually active. And I said, can I ask you this? Were you sexually active before you went on the pill for your skin? And she said, no. And I said, this is what's happening. I don't care what parents are saying about these young 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. They're not sexually active. They realize that pregnancy is is a, a risk of having sex outside of marriage. They don't want to find themselves pregnant and unmarried. And so then all of a sudden there's an excuse to go on the pill for some other medical reason. And now you've taken away their worst fear. So now they think, well, now as a side, I can just start having sex because I won't get pregnant. It, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's devastating, all the way around devastating. Right. It's a fail safe that people didn't end, intend to have as a fail safe. You get on it for your skin or another medical, so-called medical reason that should be treated in a different way. And again, I recommend our NAPRO physicians highly, mm-hmm. um, in particular on this issue, because they treat underlying causes. We'll c- include a link on social media as well as the episode notes for NAPRO physicians who treat women's bodies, not giving them birth control. Uh, it's so important what you're saying, because I remember even in college going to a small Catholic university, you know, I, I saw it, you know, some of these girls who are on birth control still for so-called medical reasons and the next thing you know they're dating someone especially if they weren't dating the right guy and the pressure was there to sleep with them and Mm -hmm. the birth control was there not intended for that purpose but lo and behold you find yourself in the midst of a temptation and you have that little fail safe in the back of your mind that well you know I would be okay it's hard Mm -hmm. enough to say yeah (laughs) say no as is but when you have Mm -hmm. that as a backup and many women are, are devaluing themselves in these situations because they think that they will be more loved in this case if they do. Uh, so it's so sad. It, it actually makes me think of one of the uh, photos, one of the memes that went up on Twitter on hashtag thanks birth control day this week. And it's an image of a husband, or sorry, a boyfriend and girlfriend walking down the street together. And they make it very clear that the girlfriend is not taking the pill and therefore is at risk of an unplanned pregnancy. And then the guy's turned back looking over his shoulder and he's looking at a girl who has affordable access to birth control and she's taking birth control. And he's like kind of like whistling and checking her out. And it's showing this in this meme that, hey, you're not as interesting because you're a risk of an unplanned pregnancy. Pregnancy. But this girl over here, more interesting because she has birth control. And my heart was like so broken uh, mm. to see this because that's an absolute lie. And anyone who even remotely believes that is probably dating the wrong kind of guy because you and I know, Pam, the mm. truth of the matter is, and this is from working in these crisis pregnancy centers, that the right kind of man respects the woman that he is dating when she, one, says no to sex outside of marriage and respects her own body by not taking contraception. And that's the type of man that you want to marry, not the man who's just looking for a quick and easy night himself or, you know, this uh, friends with benefits type of mindset. Yeah, 100%. And the, and the problem is 
is that girls, you know, and, and this meme, and I saw it as well, and I was just like, seriously, it, and it just reinforces again that birth control, abortion, and all of these things being thrown on the woman. Understand the woman is the one taking all the risk. It's her body. It's it's the hormones going into her system, the damage, the STI infection rates are going to far more damage her than they will him. And, and basically, it's guys are just like, you know what? We don't really care how you're hurt. You don't matter. All we want is is our selfish needs to be met. And you're just here to meet my needs. And if you can't do that mm -hmm. properly, then I'll just, you know, move on to someone else. I, it, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's consumerism. It's sex as consumers and, and women as, a, as just a product. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's so true. Hey, I want to run through two more of these tweets that I saw real quick here. One of them was from McLivin on Twitter. And she said, please join me in screaming from the rooftop how thankful I am for access to birth control. It allowed me to pursue my dreams with no interruptions. This one absolutely angers me. I have a undergraduate education, a master's degree. I'm working in my field of choice that matches with my degrees. And I did not need birth control in order to get here, in order to have a family, in order to be married. And so I just find it so upsetting that women... And young girls, young girls are told this over and over again. Pam, what's your initial reaction when you hear that women need birth control to pursue their dreams? Well, the first thing they're saying is that you're going to be having sex during either high school, college, or beyond unmarried. It's, it's just an assumption, which, Timory, you and I both know is not an assumption. You can actually choose to wait to have sex until you're married and, and, and not... It, have absolutely zero need of birth control whatsoever because you're not having sex. So, so there's no point in that. And then, and then this whole attitude, um, again, it, it's, we said it from the beginning, it makes marriage and, and, and having a family and being a mother, like the, the, the lowest of low, you know, where being a career woman and having, the, these degrees behind your name and all of these things are the highest for, you know, that's what you should be striving for and being a mother and a wife, uh, you know, you should not. And, and this will lead women to delaying the whole process of marriage, uh, having children. So, so into their thirties. And let me tell you, I got married very young. I finished college, uh, married. I had my, I had two, two of my children, quite young and it was after that and and I still went to college got my degree all of those things um but it was after that into my late 20s where I really started having these issues with PCOS and I had uh, some miscarriages that were very painful and suddenly what seemed like was so easy for me to get pregnant because my first two children are 11 months apart <laughs> um <laughs> all of a sudden I was having trouble and I so you know, was open to life, obviously not using virtual, wanted, wanted to, to be pregnant. And I did, I was able to get pregnant one more time at 31 and have my youngest son, but never able after that. And I started to think if I had bought this lie that, that they've foisted on our kids, that, that I may never have had children at all. I, if I would have waited till 30, 31, 32, yeah. I may never have been able to be a mother. Mm -hmm. 
And Pam, I appreciate your candidness with sharing that testimony because the reality is our bodies as women are wired to having a greater capacity to have children when we're younger. And it gets harder as we get into our 30s, as we get in, and you're lucky if beyond that you are able to have children. And so this delay is so harmful to our bodies. I'm so grateful, Pam, you've been able to join us. Check her out at pamstenzel.net. We'll post the link on social media. I'll be right back here on Trending. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Former President Donald Trump announced his run for re-election in the coming years as we approach our next presidential race. But interesting to me was his daughter Ivanka Trump's comments. Now, Whatever you may think about Ivanka Trump, there are a couple things I really, really respected um, in her work. She did actually approach the CEO of Planned Parenthood asking them to stop performing abortions. Um, again, not that I agree that she was in support of the other work that Planned Parenthood does, but hey, she asked. Another thing that she did, well, it really did, focused on while she was in office, is she was ferocious in taking the lead and taking down countless sex trafficking rings. If you didn't know this about the Trump administration, that was really headed up by President Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump. And I really respected her for that because a lot of the pro-feminist groups that are radically pro-abortion and pro-contraception claim they're against sex trafficking, but they support the very things that make sex trafficking possible. Contraception and abortion, that is. Uh, So it was interesting to see, um, and I think with much excitement and much dismay in some ways, uh, that Ivanka Trump made an announcement earlier this week after her father announced his campaign for re-election. She said this, I love my father very much. This time around, I'm choosing to prioritize my young children and the private life we are creating as a family. I do not plan to be involved in politics I always love and support my father going forward. I will do so outside of the political arena. She mentions her gratitude for having the opportunity to serve the American people. Uh, here are the key words. She is prioritizing her young children and the private life they're creating as a family. So Ivanka Trump has young children and she's making a choice and she's announcing it now that instead of being a part of the campaign or possibly uh, being a part of uh, the staff of the president that she is going to take a step back and stay with her children and keep that focus. Now, it's interesting because all of this blows up after much controversy after I did an episode last week here on Trending um, with a guest, Erica Comazar. She's a psychoanalyst. She's worked um, in many areas um, focusing on the topic of moms being present to their kids. Fantastic episode. Please listen to it. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes for today's show. Uh, we've had her on twice. And one, one of the times she talks about the research uh, about how women uh, mothers are so important, and especially in those first three years of a baby's life and helping to develop and um, give things to the baby that the baby needs through the quality one-on-one time that the mom provides. 
And she actually was canceled by much of secular culture for writing this book. She is a self-proclaimed feminist. She has high-level degrees um, and has worked incredibly successfully as a professional, uh, but she made some choices in challenging sacrifices at points in her career. So she's been a guest on over the last uh, month or so. She joined me this past week talking about building resilience in your children, how important we are as parents and spending that large quantity of quality time, large quantity, and it's a challenge. And so it blew up on social media when I posted this, especially on uh, Instagram, lots of messages and uh, comments. And one thing that I saw over and over again, people commenting, uh, saying that I'm coming from a position of quote unquote privilege. I get that not everyone can be home with their kids. Not everyone can necessarily work remotely. Uh, and I see how people are pointing even to someone such as Ivanka Trump saying, oh, wow, well, that's a privilege to be able to prioritize your children, stay home, you're financially well off, or whatever you want to argue. Uh, but what stood out to me is, one, Ivanka Trump doesn't have to choose to prioritize her family. She has the financial means for private uh, caregivers for her children. Um, she has also an incredible amount of temptation and opportunity as a successful businesswoman and someone who's also had the opportunity to be involved at the highest level of politics. And yet she's saying, no. She's saying, I'm prioritizing my kids and the private life we are creating as a family. She's got my respect for that decision. And it's a difficult decision to make when you have so much opportunity in front of you. And part of the reason why I point to it is, one, because we'd like to just point and say, well, that's a privilege. But we have to pause and ponder and recognize that there have been countless women, countless mothers, often our own, who have made difficult choices with regard to how much education they do or don't receive, what type of job opportunities opportunities they do or don't take, and how long they enter or stay out of the workforce to prioritize being present to the family. And I think that so often we like to say, well, that person has the means or the opportunity or the privilege. But at the end of the day, I've heard from so many women who they had to choose, they had to make and adapt. Okay, maybe I work part-time at home, but I work these hours to be around for the kids. Or maybe I take this type of job instead of that type of job. Or maybe I remember talking to um, our dear friend of Trending here on Relevant Radio, who is a guest host when I'm not able to be here, Brooke Taylor. And we've had the conversation here together on Trending, how she said her mom had one nice dress. She wore the same dress every Sunday to Mass. They didn't go out to eat. They didn't take some fancy family vacation. You know, they prioritized taking down family time together. But she said they lived a very simple life, and it was a choice. It was a choice. It was a sacrifice. And I think about things such as that one thing, having one nice dress, and it's the same dress you wear every Sunday. I'm guilty of it. I love variation. I even think, crazy as it is, I do. I'm just, I'm aware of it. What did I wear last Sunday? I'm not going to wear the same thing this Sunday. You know, we live in such a materialistic culture that we so easily like to say, well, that's a privilege or that's easy for someone else to do when it comes to claiming that they're prioritizing their young children and family life. But at the end of the day, no matter what means you may or may not have, we are called to take on that primary responsibility that we must understand as Catholics to be the primary, primary people 
who are educating our children. And that's hard to do in a current culture that is so materialistic and is so tempting for us as women to dive right into a career-oriented direction. And so it's just something to ponder. I know we might have a different perspective on, you know, who or who is not you know, prioritizing things such as Ivanka Trump, but I think it is a perspective to remind us to ponder and really prayerfully make choices. And I'll say it time and time again. You know how many people have said, I wish I could be more present to my kids. I wish I could be there. And I said, pray about it. Pray how God can provide the means for you to do so. And he does. I've heard so many stories of parents, couples, and moms who've been able to make the changes by the grace of God. He is calling us to be the primary educators and caretakers of our children. And he will make it happen if we cooperate. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Abel Garcia will join me. He shared his story before on Trending that he's a young man who identified for a time as a woman for a couple of years. And we're going to discuss on Monday during our weekly happy hour how he navigated his Catholic faith as he struggled with transgenderism and the joy of understanding the truth of the body, the human person, and coming into alignment and truth with his reality of being a man. Join me Monday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.